I'm Bucky. I'm Izzy. And this is Under Deconstruction. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Um, It's been a while. We know, you know, a lot has transpired, but we're excited to be back. Um, And today we have a topic that was suggested by a listener. Um, And that topic is fear. So, yeah, um, I guess our listeners like to keep us uh, talking about the heavy stuff. So (laughs) let's do this. First, by being real with you and as our listeners and talking about um, what are we afraid of? Because it's probably a lot of the same things that you are and that all of us are as humans in this, you know, crazy, confusing world that we live in. Um, So, yeah, I guess if you want to start us off, Bucky, like what comes to mind for you on a very surface level of like, what are you afraid of on a day to day basis in your life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think. I think what people are afraid of changes over their life based on kind of their circumstances and how old they are and all these sorts of things. But Mm -hmm. in general, I would say right now, probably um, the thing I probably am the most fearful of is something that's just kind of been with me for a while, which is this like fear of it's like a it's like a combination between a fear of commitment mixed with a fear of like success if that makes sense it's like it's like i'm i'm a, i'm fearful of ever putting myself 100% into something because i'm afraid that of what might happen if that makes any sense yeah yeah <laughs> like i'm afraid of it's like that it's like the classic thing where people don't ever try to do anything like 100% because number one, you're afraid of like the failure of it, you know, like if you commit yourself 100% to something and you fail, that's like devastating. (laughs) Yeah. Like it means that like, no matter what you do, you're going to, or that's like the assumption, right? Is like, no matter what I do, like if I put myself 100% into something and I fail at that, then I never should do anything ever again, you know, because that means I can't do anything, which is exactly not the correct mindset to have, obviously. (laughs) But I would say that's probably the thing that's prevented me and stuck with me the longest is this kind of um, paralyzing uh, fear that prevents you from really doing anything at all that you really want to do just because you're afraid of the outcome which is one it's actually interesting there maybe some listeners would be interested in this there's a uh, website and a group uh, and and a book called the gene keys and it's they basically combined uh, like the the I Ching, which is like the Chinese zodiac essentially, um, with uh, DNA and all sorts of things. But it's basically you give them like your birthday and where you were born and all that type of zodiac type of stuff, and then they give you a reading of um, like certain. Like it basically tells you like certain propensities you may have in your life and certain Mm -hmm. things. And for me, one of my biggest things I have to watch out for, according to the gene keys, is uh, expectation, which is exactly what this is all about. It's it's uh, 
the fear uh like i've always put myself in the in the end point first if that makes sense yes <laughs> and yeah, assume I... that something is going to turn out a certain way before i even like like i'll convince myself not to do something by assuming it'll be like a failure or so assuming it'll be a su success or whatever it might be right but anyways so that's my current fear what about you yeah, I mean, I definitely relate to that. Um, I had written down failure is one of the ones for sure, which I feel like is just the other side of the coin of that um, success, or I guess any expectations, like what will be the outcome? If I don't know it before I start, I don't want to start. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's super inconvenient when I think you're trying to do things independently, whether it be creative things or business things or whatever you're um you're doing in your life if it's up to you that's kind of the worst fear to have because it's there's nothing extrinsic to to sort of break that because for me like i remember being in school was always um like a counterbalance to that fear because yes i'm afraid intrinsically i don't i'm i have this fear of failure or of not knowing what's to come and if i can't trust the outcome why should I start? But if you have a, a boss or a teacher or a professor telling you, you know, you have to do these things to pass or to graduate or whatever, you can kind of set aside the fear of, you know, what will happen um, and just do the things somebody is telling you to do. So like having those extrinsic motivations balances that out. But when you don't have those, like, I think we both don't right now, since the things we're doing are independently our own creative projects like it is the biggest most taxing fear I think on my actual success as a person right now um but you know I think there's other fears that I definitely also hold on to maybe they're related to that maybe they're not but I mean one that definitely is related is the fear of judgment um I definitely think that that will ebb and flow depending on my age and, and like things that happen in my life. But when it comes to um, being perceived by other people and, um, and being, having my work evaluated, I associate my work with my inner value as a person. And that is where that fear of judgment, I believe comes from. Um, is that fear that people won't like what I make or who I am or what I do. And if they don't like it, they won't want to read it or look at it. And that's, what does that mean for me? If the creative, you know, like writing um, career is what I want. So that's definitely a big fear that's been weighing on me as well. Um, and then good old fear of abandonment. Um, I think there's like people that are afraid of uh, commitment and they want to be like avoiding that and staying independent. And then there's clingy people like me that are afraid of abandonment and we don't want any of the people we've committed to, to leave us. And yet, I don't know, personally, I'm always convinced that if everyone is just one final straw away from just kicking me out of their life. So that's a fun fear to live with every day. Um, among all those fears, I'm sure all of you can probably relate to at least one, if not all of them. Um, but I guess I want to like try to look a little deeper and see like what 
what is the maybe the root of these kinds of fears that we live with every day and like where is that coming from i don't know if you have any insight on that yeah um yeah i know we've we've kind of discussed fear on this podcast a little bit in relation to several things uh, in in prior episodes but um yeah fear as a philosophical concept itself um it's it's pretty interesting right so if we take any of these things we've just talked about in terms of fear i'll take mine for example the this kind of fear of um putting myself 100 percent into something uh because i'm afraid that if i do that and then fail that means that i'm an ultimate failure or something right um but that is all predicated on a i'm first of all removing myself from the present moment and putting myself either in the future or the past. And so these kind of removal of self from the present moment are the things that lead to fear um, and actually also addiction to a certain extent, but we'll stick Mm -hmm. with fear. Um, And so for my example, where I'm afraid of an expectation or I have an expectation that's causing me fear, um, Mm -hmm. that ultimately, you know, you should be able to just create something and have no expectation. And, you know, what is like the worst case scenario? If you put yourself 100% into something and it ends up like turning out not good and nobody likes it, um, you know, that doesn't mean that what you did wasn't worthwhile. It wasn't a good thing for yourself and valuable for yourself. And the notion that it will have no value to any other person is an absurd notion. It will certainly have value to something or someone, if anybody, at least yourself to a certain extent. Uh, And the process of going through that creation and failing at it is in and of itself a gift that is valuable uh, a learning lesson in maybe how to approach the project differently the next time or how to how to refine something you're working on and make it better Um, so failure is actually as much of a gift as success is I would actually say failure is a more important um, a more important tool than success is but ultimately this fear of failure is a fear of of loss, of a fear of scarcity, a fear mm-hmm. of impoverishment, a fear of not um, not being valued by by your peers, right? And so, yeah. this this kind of fear of um, of judgment <laughs> is rooted essentially in a desire to feel to be of service and of value to others, at least mm-hmm. in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, for yours I'd be interested if you if you have any onion layers you can peel back on for on some of your your current day fears. Yeah, well when you said that right there, I mean the first thing I started thinking about was I think the thing that ties all my different fears together is um they seem to all have a theme of isolation that either people will abandon me, leaving me isolated. People will judge me and I will feel ostracized or excluded or that I will fail and be left alone with nothing, which, you know, those are all definitely 
rooted in exactly what you said. And I think, I think isolation is the word for me that makes the most sense, but yeah, it's, um, I think it is true that, you know, failure is a great teacher and failure is very useful. Like I know my husband says that to me all the time and like, he's a scientist. So he's very used to, you know, micro and sometimes, you know, bigger failures, like, along the way but that's just the nature of science so for him it makes a lot of sense that you know failure is inevitable but you kind of need it to understand what to do next and that leads you to success hopefully um or sometimes not and there's probably a lesson in that too but like that whole mindset about life is so hard for me to grasp like it's just not the way i have ever let myself think and so I'm operating probably from a much deeper place of fear because of that. Um, well, expound it, upon yeah. that. What do you, what do you mean? I, I want to hear more about that though. Like, do you expound I just, upon that? I don't know. I guess I just feel like if you've been sort of a witness to um, failures over and over in your own life and you're still like doing okay, maybe that builds up some kind of resilience and like, I think science and the scientific practice is definitely one way that people build a resilience to failure. Um, just, I mean, honestly, a lot of my friends are um, in those fields and they're very, very experienced with failure. And then for me, like, basically, I think what I, what is the issue with me um, in terms of fear of creative failure is um, a little bit of that sort of imposter syndrome of like, I did not go to school for, you know, English or writing or rhetoric or anything like that. Um, I was in law school and now I'm just suddenly going to turn around and try to write a book and try to have a blog and try to do these things. Like, who am I to do that? And I think there's a little bit of that feeling of being caught out as like, wait a minute, you don't belong here. You haven't proven yourself, you know, and I think that the fear of judgment is definitely linked to that as well. So I don't know where I'm going with that, but I think oh, it's yeah. another aspect of it for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the common denominator here for both of us is this desire to be valued. That seems to be yes. a common, um, a common kind of thread that creates fear in certain ways. Like that seems to be more of a, of a tree trunk kind of a of right. an essence and then all of these things that we've been talking about are kind of the expressions of this kind of um essence of of a desire to be valued and to be seen by others and to be appreciated for you know what we have to offer maybe exactly. and it's the 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 fear stems from what it may imply if we're if that isn't happening you know right um so okay so i think we've peeled back an onion layer here so we've gotten to a deeper uh truth of fear at least for you and i which again is yeah. this this desire for value so why do we desire to be valued <laughs> right why, why do we yeah. why um what is it about other people and community valuing individuals what is it about that that is so potent that it can create all these 
residual fears within us. Do you have any any insight into what what that might be? I mean, I think um, the concept of community, like we we know that it's inherent to how we function as a species, and it's not. Um, it's both literally and you know metaphorically something we cannot live without. Um, and so I think it might be sort of the case of um, what would happen, I guess I would say, what would happen if we didn't get that value, a uh, sense of being valued by our community or being of value? What would happen to us um, if we could not participate or belong in any way to a group? Um, and I mean, if you talk about like when we're talking about value, you know, it's a little more abstract, I guess, like, you know, maybe adding creative value or having something important to say or helping people with what you're writing about or things like that. But, you know, a, I guess a more like base version of that would just be like, if we were a little community or like a little village that it would be if I can't do my part in this community, you know, however small, um, I'm kind of useless to it and like essentially dead to it because what's, what is there except um, building things as a community? I guess that's kind of my initial thoughts on it, but I don't know. I Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think what, I think what it, I think this approach of putting yourself in the other perspective is right. So it's, you know, um, what would it mean to be, <laughs> what would it mean to be content with providing no value, you know, to anybody in your life? Like, what is that, that, <laughs> is that even a possible, um, state to be in, you know, right. just a state of complete neutrality, um, in a complete, like having no, care about contributing in any way right. or helping or have put, get, putting any value into into the world in any way like not giving or taking anything yeah and i mean i would you know i would argue <laughs> that is the antithesis of life you know yeah. the antithesis of life is uh is neutral neutrality <laughs> the dead the dead state you know exactly um, yeah. so you know, yeah, if you're, if you're an individual who is unable to provide value, at least to yourself, and hopefully to others, and to be of service, maybe to others, and how whatever way that might be, you know, it could even be through expressing yourself through poetry, that when somebody else reads it, they're able to come to some type of a, a common ground with you where they're able to understand um what you're expressing like that even that's a type of a value you mm -hmm. know albeit maybe not tangible but it is of a certain type of value to to the world um but to be of no value and to contribute nothing and to be of a completely neutral state i would say that ultimately is a permutation of you know death in a certain way yeah so this to collect our gains and the conversation thus far to kind of summarize um so we both determined kind of that the fear in our lives at least it, it kind of stems from this 
um, desire to be valued in certain ways. And I'm, you, you expressed some other fears that take on different permutations as well. But right. to, to talk about the one that we share in common here, it's kind of this fear we've determined of not being valued or not having not. And with that, not having value comes um, a, a feeling of having no meaning or purpose in life, right? If yeah. you're, if you're unable to, if your community doesn't value you, if nobody values you, if you're abandoned, if you're, exactly. if you put your hundred percent of yourself into something and everybody hates it, <laughs> exactly. Um, fears, yeah. what is the purpose of being, you know, what is the point? What, what, right. what, what's the mean? There's no meaning. There's no purpose. I, ha- I have no purpose. I have no meaning. And so these are all fears that are then to peel the, the next onion layer back. Um, are seemingly rooted in a fear of being in the dead state, in the state of neutrality, in the state of I'm shouting from the rooftops and nobody's even listening to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, the feeling of, you know, the tree falling in the forest, but no one is there to hear it. Did the tree even, you know, make a sound? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like you're living a, an illusory life. If, if you have no resonance with any other individual, if you have no resonance with any, anything, if nothing, <laughs> if nothing then do is you even giving, exist. Exactly. It's, um, I think that this tree metaphor is, is apt, you know, um, mm-hmm. it really is like, you don't know if you exist or, or not. This is where the sphere is rooted is it's an, it's a questioning of base existence <laughs> of your right. base existence. And it's a, you're looking for somebody to reciprocate um, and validate that your life is meaningful and purposeful when you, and if that, the fear is in, what does it mean if that's not validated? What does it mean if I don't get that reciprocation or that resonance? You know, right. it mean it might mean that my life is pointless. You know, that's where some people might take it. Even though I think, you know, like I've said, I think the, failing or you know being abandoned or whatever the fear is the actual the actualization and realization of that fear in a real way can oftentimes be um our biggest learning lesson and can Mm -hmm. provide some of the most value for ourselves even though it's very fearful i mean i mean this is even the case with psychedelics i would say um psychedelics are very are in my, I mean, it's basically your, it, it's an acceptance of the unknown, right? Mm-hmm. An acceptance yeah. of, I don't know what's about to happen, but here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and then something happens. And then, you know, it's the same thing with like putting, committing yourself a hundred percent to a project. I don't know if people are going to like this and if they don't, that's going to be really scary, but here we go. And then you just go right. and do it. Like this- and, yeah. This could be like this big, you know, joyful discovery, or it could be, you know, sometimes we uncover really dark things about ourselves and we have to confront those, but all of it is something. It's all productive in the sense that it's giving us, um, or it's allowing us to look for meaning, to look for lessons, you know, in yeah. that sort of journey. And like you said, it's very hard, right? It's hard to be in oh, that yeah. state of mind and especially hard to stay in that state of mind. Yeah. But um, it's it's all about learning, right? If 
I mean, like I said, I think you arguably learn more and gain more value from trying something and failing at it than you do in succeeding at something. And but again, you know, it's I can say these things intellectually and talk about them on a podcast, but to then actually embody it and be it is a whole yeah. other thing altogether. And that's <laughs> that's the life's work and that's the, you know, that's the ideal that I think, at least for me, that I aim toward, but right. am consistently falling short short of. Um, but you know, again, it's not about it's not about those individual attempts at attaining the ideal. It's about, I think, in my opinion, consistent and persistent, you know, striving for that ideal. And the more you persist, and the more you strive the closer and more reliably you're able to achieve that ideal state that you're uh, trying to get to, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But in order to, <laughs> to get to that ideal state, you really have to confront these fear-based things um, that are rooted in deep, deep psychological uh, parts of the brain that, you know, like that are <laughs> like the fear of death is. Yeah the fear of of having no meaning and purpose are as you know rudimentary and core uh to the human mind as anything so i don't know it's do you have any any thoughts on all that yeah i mean i think it's interesting cuz this does kind of lend almost another um perspective or maybe a little more depth on what we had actually talked about in our episodes on death um, and what comes after um, sort of within the context of talking about a fear of death, you know, we've talked about it kind of as a cultural phenomenon and, you know, about how different cultures and peoples um, recognize or understand death. But yeah, I mean, I think this has lent even more of an understanding to the fact that most of our, if not all of our fears, well, yeah, all of our human fears are connected to that root fear of death or of a death state of a feeling of not feeling of not existing to yeah. anything else. Because the ultimately the, this desire for value, right. Or like the desire to not be abandoned is a desire to, for somebody to reaffirm your, your existence or like to re exactly. like to give validity to your life. You know, it's like, yes, my life was worth living because I wrote a book or I'm, you know, I'm, I created a successful blog and X amount of people followed it and were inspired by it. And I created a, I did something positive in what I'm calling my life. And, you know, on your deathbed, you can look back on your life and be, you know, it's validated, you know, as opposed to the other, you know, where maybe the fear is based in, you live a life of squandered opportunity and mm-hmm. um, a life of, um, you know, laziness and sloth. And you never really wrote that book or you never really committed to that blog or you never really did all the, the podcast. And because of that, you look back in your life and you have a regret that you weren't able to create some type of a positive thing. But like, like what you're saying, all of that is based in this fear of death, death being when you're on your deathbed looking back and feeling like you might as well have not even lived because <laughs> you didn't right. do anything with the time that was given to you. So, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, 
and I think like if we are gonna you know talk more specifically about the fear of death itself which I think I think a lot of people would say that they have that fear even just outright in a list of fears you know like right off the top some people might have listed death as a fear of theirs um is what about that because we seem to kind of understand what it would mean not to live but i guess what is it about death beyond that that's scary to us and so maybe talking about another fear that I think is very commonly discussed, like the fear of the unknown. What is that? How is that related to this? How are they the same or, or what, what's the relationship there? Yeah. I mean, I think this also ties into right. Um, like religion, spirituality and atheism Mm -hmm. and what those belief systems all imply and how they are all um, try they're they're all trying to be antidotes to this fear of death, and ultimately underneath the fear of death, the be- the fear of the unknown being the true taproot of this kind of tree of fear that we've been discussing, right? Right. Um, so at the very base bottom aspect is a fear of the unknown which gives rise to the tree trunk known as the fear of death, which gives rise to the branches, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. called all sorts of other fears that, you know, express themselves in different people in different ways. So when we get down to the taproot of the fear of the unknown, um, this is an existential fear that has been a part of human life since humans existed. Um, you know, it might be nice to be an animal who doesn't really have a a kind of a concept of death, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But as a human being, we are aware of our position and aware of uh, our impending uh, ultimatum. (laughs) And because of that, we we find ourselves in a psychological existential crisis that Mm -hmm. at a certain point in our life must be answered for and everybody answers it in their own way some people um you know find their answer in different religions some people find their answer in atheism Mm -hmm. some people find their answer you know in a whole plethora of ways but um ultimately these these are these are belief systems. (laughs) These are belief systems to try and answer an unanswerable question, really. I mean, maybe it is answerable in the future. And maybe we do, we figure out some way to communicate through the, you know, the, the door of death or something. Right. But uh, it's all, all of these things are trying to answer and fill the vac, the black hole, (laughs) gravity vacuum in the mind that's called the fear of the unknown yeah so um yeah i don't know i think everybody kind of has to has to answer that for themselves but i think however you do answer that it has huge implications for how you go about living life um if you true if you if you're like an atheist or, or agnostic or whatever and you believe that you have a material life that ends in a material death and 
you get one shot and good luck and fingers crossed and make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, how you're going to go about your life is going to be very, very different than if you believe that this is one of many lives that you've had and, you know, you're on a karmic wheel of rebirth and, uh, you know, you're, you're working out karmic, uh, energy or, right. you know, or do all, you believe yeah. like that this is a test, um, yeah. and you will be graded at the end of the day and assigned a sort of, um, resulting, um, after death experience based on the decisions you make here. Like that's, you know, yeah, there's a lot of different ways people see it. Yeah. Cause I mean, if, you know, if you are, if you believe that your deeds on earth will be judged at a, the time after your death, then you're going to, you're going to operate in a very certain type of a way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so this, again, this is a key, this is the most central core kind of tenant of, of a person's psychology (laughs) and you know when you don't have an invisible moral compass that is suggesting to you to live a certain way because you might get judged at a later date after your life or something like that if you again if you're like an atheist um i think that it doesn't necessitate that you're going to be um that you're going to do things, but I think it allows a lot more leeway and room for uh, experimentation <laughs> in, ter- mm-hmm. in terms of ethical and moral decisions. Right. Because um, if you, if this is it, and there, if you're an atheist, then there is really no. Um, yeah, I mean, there is really the point of being a moral or ethical person as an atheist is purely out of the goodness of one's own own heart you know it just comes it just is because you would rather live a life that um adheres to certain ideals that you've decided upon right and for no uh no apparent reason other than you've just decided that that you've deemed these things good and these other things bad and therefore you're gonna follow those rules you know right um which is a very, <laughs> very loosey-goosey kind of a ethic, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is coming from somebody who at one point, I, me, myself, was at one point in my life an atheist and, and agnostic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've said on this podcast before that I'm definitely more spiritually inclined at this point. I wouldn't really call myself any one thing. I'm more of a kind of a believer in all things. Um, right kind of a more all-encompassing view which you know again i think for me this kind of root this tap root of the unknown you have to have experiences in your life where you've gone into the unknown where you've stepped out of your comfort zone and jumped into a box of unknown consequence and experienced that type of faith that is what faith is in my opinion Mm -hmm. is a um you're you don't know but you're going to go and you're going to see what happens. <laughs> you're going to go and jump in into the unknown and then you have an experience and then that's that. And you, now, you know, and whatever happened, happened. And you know, right. that's very much what the psychedelic experience is. But anyways, I want to hear, yeah, yeah. I want to hear if you have anything to say on any of this. No, I mean, I think that's a, an interesting perspective. I mean, 
yeah, you're right. We all have, you know, chosen or will choose our different um, lenses through which to view our moral compass and our motivations. Um, I think all ultimately seeking, you know, to be of value to others and to, you know, sort of, yeah, to, to fulfill that desire to be of value to others. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to think a little bit more about how different, um, I guess, religious and spiritual um, perspectives, how that might change or, or affect how we think about the unknown or whether there even is an unknown because some people are genuinely so strong in their faith or, or non-faith that they don't think about it. But I think deep, deep, deep down, we all have to accept that we genuinely do not know what will happen next. And I don't know, I think that might be a whole other topic, but it is interesting to think about, like, I think within, I don't know what it is for um, communities that are not religious or that are more broadly spiritual, but like within a religious community, I think it's very taboo to talk about um, the fact that we all have faith, but we can't say for certain what will or won't happen because it hasn't happened yet to us. And, you know, that fear is very, or concern about what is to come is very valid and very human as we've explained here, but I think it's very taboo to actually speak into existence among, you know, some religious groups where, you know, it's almost like admitting you have a crisis of faith or admitting that you don't actually believe, but it's not unreasonable to, to say, hey, look, I actually don't know what happens. I think I know, I hope I know, I can guess, but I don't actually know. And well, I mean, if you knew, then there would be no such thing as faith. Exactly. That's, what so faith that's means. where that comes from. That <laughs> yeah. need to leap in regardless. Um, if you if you knew already, it wouldn't be called faith. It would just be called here's would, here's a fact. Yeah, <laughs> here, it would here's be a fact, fact for faith. you to take. <laughs> exactly. And so understanding faith in that way, I guess. Yeah, I think it, it is important for everyone, including people that are not religious at all, to seek that. Um, experience of blind um, jumping into something, the unknown, and, you know, sort of riding that wave of whatever comes after that. Like, you know, I don't, I guess I don't really know what other ways people could do that. Um, but well, yeah, like faith to me is like the, it's basically synonymous with quantum, with the quantum realm you know it's the right. schrodinger's cat like faith is a synonym for schrodinger's cat <laughs> like you have a box with a cat in it and until you open the box that then you find that you have a deterministic outcome it the the cat in the box is either dead or alive but until you open the box the cat is existing in a superposition of states it's existing as both dead and alive because exactly. it, it hasn't been observed yet and it hasn't been determined as uh, as a determinative outcome from a, a realm of possibility. Exactly. And so what faith is, is in knowing I'm going to open this box and whatever the deterministic outcome is, is what it is. And I'm going to have enough uh, faith to to believe in whatever that outcome is. 
so yeah, again, the, all of these things are, um, I mean, I, <laughs> I would even say, you know, we, we tend, hu- human beings tend to be very arrogant in their, uh, their, <laughs> their belief of knowledge. Absolutely. Um, you know, we tend to think that we know a lot of things that, you know, we utilize these senses and these sense organs to perceive the world around us. And we um, assume that our, our senses aren't lying to us and that our senses aren't just, you know, we could be in a perpetual hallucination from the day we're born and we just, <laughs> we just don't realize it, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of faith and trust and, belief that goes into into what we consider scientific knowledge even like we we're just now barely understanding and deeming no like knowledge uh our world around us let alone um you know states after death or unknown states so i think you know what knowledge gives you is comfort in a certain way and what the unknown tends to give people is fear and discomfort yeah. and anxiety. And so uh, we find comfort when we think we've figured something out. We, we find comfort when something is stable. We uh, find comfort in something that's knowable, that's re- reproducible, that's tangible, usable, knowable. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever it isn't any of those things, when it's, not seen, not heard, not smelled, not tasted, um, when it's not known, that creates anxiety, that creates discomfort, that creates uh, fear. And it actually is the thing that creates motion and movement itself is this yearning and searching for the the one true stability stone, <laughs> the one true right. foundational stone to that is unchangeable, unmovable, immortal, everlasting, um, you know, the philosopher's stone, if you will. Right. That's what uh, all the philosophers are after is this, this immortal substance. It's what all the alchemists are after, um, you know, transmuting lead into gold. Uh, all of these things are metaphors for finding this kind of immortal uh, philosophical idea on which you can you can build a true understanding of the world. Right. And so when people, exactly. And so when people don't have that grounding and most people don't and are, it it creates the fire and the passion of, of searching and Mm. and yearning and trying to find the truth and what is real and what isn't real. What should I believe? What shouldn't I believe? Um, You know, having full faith or maybe there's some doubt in something. All of these things are expressant of a search for something stable in an unstable world. Um, exactly. And so, yeah, that's all of these. All of these fears come from the unknown. So, I think to summarize all of this episode thus far, and to kind of uh, move us into the end end phase of this episode. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be fearful of the unknown. Um, in fact, I would say in a very paradoxical way, there's a lot of comfort to be found in the unknown itself 
because it's like the the saying about change, right? The only thing that doesn't change is change itself. Yeah. And so, you know, the only thing that is actually immortal. The only constant. Yeah. It, correct. It is the only constant is change itself, which is a paradox. So you see how we live in a world of paradox where the paradoxes create the motion of the universe, but it's the encapsulation of the paradox as an idea that is the thing that is uh, immortal, unchanging. So it's change itself. When you encapsulate change in a, you allow change to be fluid (laughs) inside of an abstract box that you're putting around the idea of change, if you Mm -hmm. see what I mean. So Change is occurring within this box, but the box that contains change is unchanging. Right. Um, so, you know, th- with, with the unknown, it is in realizing that the unknown is perpetual and to have comfort in that realization that, oh, okay, so there's, it's always going to be unknown. <laughs> there's always going to, we're always going to be in a Schrodinger's cat situation where, we don't know if it's dead or alive and just have, have comfort and enjoy that superposition of states. Enjoy that, that um, on the edge feeling and, right. and use it to your advantage rather than being fearful of, I don't want to lift the box up because the cat might be dead and you lift it up. Oh, the cat's alive. Okay, cool. We're, we're chilling. No, it's like, Oh, I'm, you, instead you sit there with the box and you, you're excited, right? You're like, this is like, this is an awesome moment. I'm sitting here in the unknown about to, about to find the known, you know, right. and to find enjoyment in both the not knowing and the knowing the, the changing for the fact that it is the unchangeable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, that's, there's my diatribe for you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's, it's important to, dig deeper into these kind of uh, very basic, I guess, foundational topics, um, not only because, yeah, we can try to um, maybe guide our understanding towards more useful uh, ways of being, like um, finding excitement in the unknown, finding um, joy or maybe um, uh, energy in being on the edge of things and not knowing, Um, but also just like, on a very, like, if you're just, um, you know, tired and unmotivated today, like, hey, I mean, posting another uh, piece on my blog does not sound too bad after all of this, you know, deep talk about um, (laughs) what is to come and whether we, you know, uh, live in fear of it or not. Like, I think we can go out and maybe do a couple of small things today and be okay. Um, And, you know, I hope that what we talk about here, like, is, um, resonating with you all as our listeners and um, we're really excited to be doing this uh, more regularly um, for real uh, <laughs> so stick with us thank you if you have thus far um, as yeah we if you're if you're a day going. if you're a day one person shout out to you hit Seriously. us up we'll, we'll send you like a goodie bag or something <laughs> yeah we don't even have that much patience with ourselves so thank you for that uh, yeah yeah, thank you, everybody. We really do appreciate all of y'all um, sticking with us and listening. And like as you said, we we really do actually mean it this time. <laughs> <laughs> we are um, we have a, we have a lot of plans for the future going forward in 
having a more consistent schedule uh, with releasing episodes pretty consistently here. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for, like, as you said, for hanging with us and being patient. And, yeah, I'm excited for the yeah. future here. So Awesome. All righty, everybody. Uh, thanks again for listening. We will catch you on the next episode. Uh, bye. Yep, yeah, bye. Bye.